Claim the 2022 national championship by the score of 65 to 7. Uh, the game has just gone final. Welcome into a live edition of the Three Tech Pod. Uh, we are live reacting to just a barnstorming, wood chipping. I don't know. There are so many different descriptions you could use for that game. Georgia, Georgia just cemented themselves as a dynasty and is uh, the back-to-back national champions for the first time since 2011-2012 when Alabama did it. Welcome in, everybody. I'm Mitch Mason, Trey Reeves, Garrett Turney. Guys, I don't know if this is a celebration of life for what TCU was, if this is a funeral. Like, <laughs> what just happened? Uh, I mean, this game was 10-7 to at one point. That's about all I can say for TCU. <laughs> it. From the word go, Georgia just showed that they were the better team. And I, I was texting with, um, you know, a friend of the show, um, Joe from Longview, and he was saying, you know, he's an Ohio State fan, just bummed that his team couldn't be on this stage, right? I think he was bummed yeah. that he was on the wrong side of the bracket getting Georgia in the semifinals. And, man, it, it, it's just – Sad that we get this. It's sad that we TCU ends their season this way. It was a magical season. You can't take anything away from the season that they had. Magical season, magical semifinal win over Michigan. But man, they just did not show up tonight. And that combined with Georgia just immediately firing on all cylinders from the word go. You get what we got here tonight, right? And it, it was just a laugher early. Like we knew this one was. When did you guys know this was over? Let me ask you guys that because I think that's. The most interesting, I think even Kirk Herbstreet and Chris Fowler were talking about that on the broadcast. I think for me, I think for me, it was about 24-7, but I'm interested in what you guys think. See, with this TCU team, I was willing to give them the benefit of the doubt just because they kept coming back and they just, they're, they're that kind of team, right? You can never count them out, but there was just something, I think it was 31 was when that did it for me where I realized, like, okay, yeah, like, it's going into the half. They're going to get the ball back, right? So they're probably going to have a chance. Then, obviously, they threw a pick, and it became 38. So, But I think at 31, that was a moment where I was like, yeah, I don't think they're going to be able to come back in this one. Man, really tough for TCU, obviously. Such a great story. But, man, like, all the credit has to go to Georgia on this one. What they are doing in college football right now is incredible. I'm sure we'll talk about that in a little bit. But, man, just what an incredible story for them. Awesome moment for their fan base who have been waiting for so long up until last year. Now to get two in a row is just amazing. I'll let the people decide when this game was over. Your first half drive chart, touchdown, fumble, field goal, touchdown, touchdown, punt, touchdown, interception, touchdown, interception, touchdown. Um, you can, I think you can figure out where this game came off the rails. Somewhere between 17-7 and 38-7 <laughs> was when... Uh, yeah. The, the train blew up, uh, the, the frog 
jumped into the jumped into the pond. I I, I showed um, my girlfriend that I was watching the game with the piano guy or uh, the the piano man meme of the frog jumping off of oh yeah, yeah, yeah. the bridge, yeah. and that that truly described the first half of this game. I, for me, I think it was twenty four seven. I think after Duggan through that first pick four plays they made it three yards in two minutes i mean guys the, the georgia and, and we'll talk about both sides of the ball but this was as dominating a performance that we've seen this side of ncaa 14 plan on rookie sliders i mean it just it just was uh tcu couldn't move the football i've got first half stats we've got end of game stats obviously but you know i, I don't know about you guys i started taking notes to, because I knew we were doing this live reaction immediately after, and so I have first quarter notes. I have second quarter notes. Didn't write a single thing after that. You know, I mean, we we just went to the tweeter. Anything that I posted was was straight to the Twitter. Um, let's let's start with this. How dominating is this run for Georgia? I mean, it seems like you know whether the sun has set on Alabama's reign over college football. I think they're no longer the best program in the sport. Now, they're still a dynasty. I still believe that they can win. They can claim championships. I think they could beat a Georgia team. There's no doubt about it. But Georgia is in the middle of a bona fide dynasty. And, guys, it really looks like they could do this again next year. We'll talk about the schedule probably a little bit later on. But this is a special run that Kirby Smart has put together. And, you know, it's a team that he's built straight up by recruiting this is not a transfer portal team this is homegrown recruits and that i think is extremely impressive in this area of college football yeah they lost what 15 guys to the nfl draft last year five five first rounders on defense yep they don't take a single portal commit and they are right back and they win the national championship game 65 to 7 guys kirby smart is building a monster that is going to surpass what Nick Saban built at Alabama. Kirby Smart wow. is 47 years old and has already won two titles at Georgia. Nick Saban didn't win his second national title till he was 57. It like you think Nick Saban's Alabama had a chokehold on college football for the last decade plus? The next three decades are going to be <laughs> the decade of the dogs because Kirby's not going anywhere. He's not going in no. the NFL. No. He's a Georgia guy. He played at Georgia. And he, the guy knows how to recruit. They have given him all the resources he needs. It's truly the monster that has awoken. And the jokes were writing themselves for the 40 years between Georgia winning national titles before last year. And this is the monster that has finally awoken. And it's going to be a monster like I don't think we've ever seen in college football before. Now, Nick Saban's going to have a lot to say about that, but Nick Saban's not going to be coaching much longer. And even when he finally retires and hangs it up whenever that may be, even if it's when he's 85, Kirby's still going to be in his prime, guys. Like, it, it's, <laughs> it's, it is going to be fascinating to see if anybody can keep up with Georgia over the next 10 years, 20 years plus as Kirby just continues to build. Because the talent's not going anywhere either. They're in the most no. talent-rich part of the country, and they're going to keep getting these five-star athletes all over the field. Yeah, well, and Trey, now that you said that, I think that means Nick Saban has to coach 20, 25 more years, something like that, just because, you know, it seems like every time we get to the end of the season, we say, well, Saban's probably close to being done, and then he never is. Um, but no, you're absolutely right. I think this is the start of the Georgia dynasty. I think that 
the next decade minimum belongs to Georgia. And it's going to be really tough to do, you know, anything in there if you're another program. I think this is kind of what we saw with the beginning of the decade with Alabama, where they started to get their guys in there, started to turn some stuff around, win a couple championships and start to assert their dominance. They show that they're the place to go if you want to develop, go to the NFL, um, win a championship. And and I think that they're proving that. I mean, the, the fact that they sent so many guys to the draft last year and that they're right back here stomping a, a TCU team that by all intents and purposes, like they were a fantastic team this year. They've, they've done great things. They beat a very good Michigan team who beat that Ohio state team you're talking about Trey. So like there's plenty of back and forth that that happened this year in college football. The one thing that didn't really happen was Georgia didn't really get tested too much. I know that they were close with Ohio state there, but there was something about the way that Kirby handled the post game in that one where he was kind of upset that his team ended up in that situation where I was like, yeah, I kind of got a feeling they're about to roll TCU in this one. So, mm-hmm. man, like, I mean, hats off to Georgia for this one. Hats off to everything that they're doing. But, I mean, man, like, it, it's really hard to see where this thing slows down, where this thing goes off the rails. I mean, there'd have to be some kind of seismic shift of college football where rules change and everything else goes different and you know conferences realign and everything else like that have to be something else especially when you talk about an expanded playoff you're talking about giving georgia the ability to maybe mess up you know in columbia against mizzou like it looked like they were about to and still make a playoff and still be able to dominate teams the way they do on defense and go out there and air it out i mean i just i don't know i'm it's Georgia's decade at least, and Trey, you might be right. We might be talking about a couple decades of Georgia dominance here. Well, let's talk a little bit about TCU because uh, for two reasons. One, there's not much to talk about. Uh, the Horned Frogs, I, I wrote in my first quarter notes, TCU's defense couldn't find the door in an empty room. They looked <laughs> as lost as you know, a, a student driver trying to navigate the highway. It was incredible to watch this secondary blow coverage after coverage. Joe Gillespie got quoted by one of the sideline reporters who was listening in on one of his uh, meetings with the team after giving up another touchdown. And he said, guys, you lined up, you've lined up eight times incorrectly already. And it was like the third drive of the game for Georgia. Um, TCU, the moment was too big for them, which... I did not think I'd be saying after time and time again, this TCU team came back from deficits. They nearly clawed back in a big 12 championship game. They obviously beat Michigan in a big way. It didn't feel like the moment would be too big for them, but you know, I mean, credit where credit's due. Georgia's defense suffocated that TCU offense. They had 36 total rushing yards Max Duggan lost more yardage on sacks than the rest of the team gained um, on the ground, which is just incredible considering Georgia was not a team that had a big pass rush this year. But, you know, talk about TCU's season. Talk about the future of the program under Sonny Dykes, the recruiting. I mean, take this wherever you guys want. I'm curious to hear if this kind of colors their season for you or if you're able to, to look past it in the moment, I mean, as we are literally watching Georgia hoist the championship trophy right now, talk a little bit about the Horn Frogs. Well, see, I think the thing is, I don't know even if the moment was too big for them. I just think Georgia was way too good for them. I think Georgia is on a different level from the rest of college football right now. And I think you have to just say, look, you were kind of playing for second this year. And 
Yeah, it, it sucks to say, but I think that kind of just is the truth. You know, there's a very distinct tier of teams. And, you know, we thought maybe the, the gap was pretty close up there at the top, but Georgia just proved it tonight that that ain't true. Um, they, they were by far the best team in the country. TCU from here, I think, I mean, clearly this is the new model team for today's college football, right? With the portal and being able to go get your guys. I mean, they just stacked up on a loaded portal class. They got their new coach with Sonny Dykes. I, I think that this is still going to be bright for them, especially in the new Big 12. Um, I, I think that there's plenty of good days ahead for them. I don't know that they'll be able to get back to this height just because it's so difficult to repeat success to any degree, right? It, the, any team that gets there, you know, it's difficult to say that you're going to make it back, right? It's just hard to put together that good of a season where you can make it to a championship. That being said, they've got what they need, right? They have some resources. I, I know that the buzz around Fort Worth is, you know, huge right now in terms of what that program is. The applications are going up. They're getting recognized more at a national level. And so, yeah, it'd be really cool for them to kind of capitalize on this moment and keep going. Um, but, yeah, I, I don't know what it looks like in terms of direct football success. But I do think you could see TCU use this to kind of leverage themselves to more, you know, maybe permanent long-term success uh, as a football program. Yeah, they absolutely can. I, It's hard because do you think losing in this way – takes away a little bit of the legitimacy of this season. I don't know that it does. It's hard for me to put myself in the minds of a recruit that was really excited to consider TCU for making it that far. And they say they lose 65 to 70. And it might be a little bit of a reality check for some of the recruits that are considering TCU at this point. But the bottom line is they are moving into a situation with the new Big 12 that's going to be wide open. There's going to be three or four teams, I think, immediately trying to claim that top spot in the new big 12. And, you know, you've got the champions, Kansas state this year, you've got Texas tech that looks like they're on the rise. You've got um, Baylor that has, a, seems like a good coach situation. Cincinnati was in the playoff a year ago. BYU and UCF are going to be interesting additions. Houston getting more resources. I didn't even mention Oklahoma state. That conference is going to be just bananas to follow after yeah, Texas and Oklahoma sure. leave. And even starting next year with all the new additions. So it's going to be wide open. TCU certainly has the resources and I think the coaching staff to get there. I definitely want to see what the encore performance is like next year. You come out your first game next year and lose to coach prime in that opener, then maybe some cracks start to show in that program. You might say it might've been just a magical season with Max Duggan. I don't think that's what's going to happen, but just to play devil's advocate, they did go five and one in one possession games this year. That is yeah. an astounding statistic. Most teams do not do that well in one possession games. Just for reference, Georgia only played in two one possession games this year. <laughs> and the fact that those two teams were facing off in the national championship game just says how bonkers this season was. But yeah, I'm really interested to see what the encore performance is like next year for TCU. They have an amazing transfer class coming in. I think, you know, if it's Chandler Morris running the show, which it looks like it probably will be for TCU, mm -hmm. he's going to have JoJo Earl to throw to. He's going to have a lot of weapons. He's going to have um, a lot of uh, key contributors on the defense coming back. But sure. they're losing a lot of really big-time players for them too. So that encore performance is going to show me a lot about what kind of staying power they have. TCU is losing between 40 and 50 players from this roster, depending yeah. on – 
transfers and declarations for the draft, which, you know, listen, at this, after a game like ten, uh, tonight, you figure maybe some guys are a little bit more willing to, to go ahead and declare for the draft and yeah. move, move on, right? Um, we'll see exactly what happens. But yeah, it's, it's going to be a true roster overhaul in TCU now. Trey, you mentioned they get what feels like half of the Crimson Tide to transfer to them this year. Um, so, you know, TCU is going to be stocked with talent, especially on the offensive side of the ball. That The true indicator of if this team is going to go, not to new heights necessarily, but maintain success in year two under Sonny Dykes, what does this defense look like? They had six transfers come in and start for them on the defensive side. And while their corners were some of the best corners in the country, um, Trayvon was Hodges Tomlinson, mm -hmm. uh, Ladanian's nephew, was the top-rated cover corner in the country this year. And that was with a scoring defense that ranked 74. So if you went up the middle or ran on TCU, you were scoring points this year. If you tried to throw it down the sideline, maybe not. They're going to lose those guys. And look, Georgia got whatever they wanted and more tonight. I mean, even, even Carson Beck came in. All the second teamers came in and moved at will against that TCU defense. A demoralized team that had quit. I get it. But that defense has to take some gigantic steps forward in year two. For me, that's what I think I'm going to be watching and, and seeing, okay, how do you develop? How does this 3-3-5, how does this bare front? They went to a bare front towards the end of the season which is not a, a scheme that you see very much in college football. How does Joe Gillespie, if he stays, if he doesn't get a better offer somewhere else, how does he kind of develop that defense? And and I think, you know, and let me know what you guys think. Trey, you obviously just, just kind of told us where you think they're going to be in that pecking order. Garrett, I'm curious where you put TCU. I do think that they're automatically at the top with Kansas State, with probably, you know, we'll see what we get from Oklahoma. Texas is eight. Eight, eight and five this year they're probably going to take some sort of step forward but is TCU the odds on favorite right now to not repeat as big 12 champs but make it back to Dallas and and clinch a title I think if you had to pick one team I would say probably TCU but if you gave me TCU or the field I'd take the field I don't think that I feel comfortable saying that like oh yeah they're for sure you know surefire gonna repeat no problem I just don't know who else I would take ahead of them right now. Um, and that's not to say I think that they're the best in the conference right now. I, I have no idea where they're going to line up. I'd have to see where the rosters shake out. And I mean, there's still plenty of time for transfers to happen. I think this is actually kind of a selling point for TCU is, hey, you saw the talent gap pretty clearly, but imagine what we could do if you helped us close the talent gap, right? Right. <clears throat> and so I think that that's probably a selling point for TCU in terms of recruiting and in the portal. Um but no, I don't know where I'd put them right now in the Big 12. Still too much to be determined, I think, on the on the transfer side. And, you know, I think maybe once all that closes, we'll have a better idea. But at the moment, I don't know who else you'd put in front of them. Yeah, I'm in wait-and-see mode. I, I really want to see how the transfers gel. I really want to see if there's a little bit of a hangover from losing this game to Georgia this badly on that program. Sometimes you see games like this become just dark clouds. And look, I don't want that for TCU. Let me be abundantly clear. That is not what I want for TCU. I would love nothing more for them to just continue this great vibe that they've got going on in Fort Worth. I really would love that for them. 
I'm just really in wait and see mode to see what kind of staying power it has, especially with all this chaos that you're injecting into the Big 12. The Big 12 is already kind of the NFC East light where it doesn't seem like anybody since Oklahoma's stepped down from their pedestal, it seems like it's just completely wide open, right? Oklahoma won it however many years in a row. I can't remember now. But since then, we've gotten four unique uh, title game participants in the last four years. Mm-hmm. So interested to see how that turns out. Definitely, they're going to have the talent. They're definitely going to be have something to say about the Big 12 championship next year. But I'm interested to see what kind of staying power they have next year is going to tell me a lot about Sonny Dykes as a coach. Cause as you and I, Mitch, were talking about on the preview show one, we, we can hype up Sonny Dykes and it's very easy to hype him up on this year, but one great season does not make a great coach. And I nope. think you have a lot of programs that rush to extending a coach rush to, you know, going all in on a coach that has one really good year. And then they're left wondering what the heck happened four or five years down the road when they're having to start over. So, I want to see what happens next year. It's going to tell me a lot if Sonny Dice can do wave his magic wand again with a completely overhauled roster and a lot of new talent, but lots of new faces as well. Should we talk quarterbacks? I think Stetson Bennett, Max Duggan both have really interesting stories, and we've obviously broken that down on pods before this, but Stetson Bennett, two-time national champion now, Heisman finalist this past season. Everybody knows the story. Walked on at Georgia, didn't get the job, didn't have any sort of playing time, transfers to a junior college, comes back, still doesn't win the job, and ends up then taking over the reins after JT Daniels couldn't get anything going. Jamie Newman just leaves the program, uh, and lo and behold, waltzes to two national championships. Max Duggan, on the other hand, a heart issue a couple of years ago. His career is in jeopardy. Doesn't win the job this year. Takes over in the second quarter after Chandler Morris goes down with a season-ending injury. Heisman runner-up and a national championship appearance. The thought is that both of these guys will be drafted, that they have an NFL future, whether it's playing or holding a clipboard, they will be on NFL franchises. Where do you guys kind of rate these two quarterbacks when you think about their performance, not only you know, tonight, this season, but just in the story of college football, it felt like we were really treated to something special over the last, you know, two years. Yeah, I think it's amazing that these two guys were the ones facing off in the national championship. In the world of recruiting rankings and five stars and four stars ruling the day, we get Stetson Bennett and Max Duggan facing off in the national championship game. And Stetson Bennett, man, just hearing his story, that's what college football is all about right going to games at georgia with his dad growing up they said on the broadcast night he he wanted nothing more than to just go touch the grass on the Mm -hmm. field and here he is leading the return to glory for georgia and tonight he was more than just a feel-good story he absolutely balled out tonight he could do no wrong for this georgia offense 18 to 25 for 304 yards four touchdowns through the air he added three carries for 39 yards and another two touchdowns. Six total touchdowns for tied Stetson Joe, Bennett. Tied Joe Burrow for the most in a championship game ever. Yeah, it just absolutely insane. And we were talking off camera before we hit record. I personally think he earned himself a lot of money in the mm-hmm. NFL draft tonight. And I know there's a lot of eyes on him. He's definitely not the most polished quarterback in the world. The height is going to be a huge question when he shows up at interviews with NFL teams, but... The dude's a winner. 
the dude has lost two games as a starting quarterback, I think. And <laughs> like, you can't say enough about him. Dude's a winner. He has a ton of moxie, has a ton of competitive grip. All the great things we were saying about Max Duggan all year, 100% true. Don't take that. Don't take that away from him. Even though he had, you know, a really poor performance tonight. I don't think all of it was his fault. His O line was just in shambles Bad. all night. I think they could be accused of endangerment and abandonment after their <laughs> performance tonight. But all those great things we said about Max Duggan all year, Stetson Bennett, man, like really stole the show tonight, and he really, really impressed me with just playing lights out football. It was just as close to a perfect game as you could possibly get. Yeah. And coming into the playoffs, remember too, we weren't necessarily talking about Stetson Bennett being a reliable offensive player, right? As, as in terms of a guy who would come in here and put up numbers, but his performance here in the playoffs, I think you're right, Trey. I think it has earned him a lot of money, but I think it's also earned him a place among some of the best in the college football play er, playoff era. Mm-hmm. not necessarily in terms of being showy and all the other stuff, but I mean, come on, the guy put up six touchdowns, loads of yards. I mean, just looked unstoppable tonight. It didn't look like there was any, I mean, there were points I even said this to my wife when we were watching it. I was like, I think Georgia's just kind of doing this and then picking a play because they just can run whatever they want to run right now. I, I didn't think it looked very difficult for them. I thought Stetson made it look super easy, obviously having the run game that they had fantastic, but like, I don't know. It just it seems really easy for them, and especially for him tonight. And and that's not to take away from Max Duggan at all. Max Duggan has been a competitor all year. He's done a really good job. <clears throat> I think there were some issues tonight, obviously with accuracy, overthrowing guys. Maybe he was a little hopped up, but I also think he was just rushed. Like you were saying, that offensive line. There were a couple of times it didn't look like they were even trying. And I'm talking yeah. earlier in the game too. Like there were a couple early in the game where I was like, are. Yeah. Like, where are we going here? I don't know. I don't know what they were looking for. It didn't look like they were picking up stunts correctly. And so I just, I, I feel bad for Max that that was the effort that he got. I don't want to totally pin it on his offensive line because I'm sure there's plenty of throws he'd want back. But um, yeah, it just, it, it, it seemed like it kind of got away from him there and he was trying to force it and make too much happen, which is, you know, it's understandable when you're down, you know, 10, 17 to Georgia at a certain point. So um, yeah, I just, I think both of these quarterbacks absolutely balled out. And again, like y'all were saying, not from guys who are highly heralded coming out from the high school ranks. It is really cool to see these guys both end up here. And, you know, I do think they'll both end up, you know, at the very least making rosters, if not being, you know, competent backups, maybe getting some chances to shine in the NFL. I think, yeah, I feel bad for Max because 14 to 22, 152 yards, two picks. Uh, His offensive line was dreadful. And again, like I mentioned, this is not a Georgia team whose pass rush was really anything special this year. Uh, they did not have the elite edge presence. Now, their defensive tackles may be the best in the country. Jalen Carter has the potential to be a top-five pick as a defensive tackle, which is just incredible. Um, but this was not a unit that was known for getting to the quarterback in their front seven. They could bring safeties. They could do stunts. Georgia had to work to get pressure on the quarterback this year. And yet three four-man rushes had Max Duggan running for his life, sacked countless times. I'm not even sure how many sacks they ended up with. Um, At least five sacks. And that was just in the first half. The two picks that Duggan threw, the first one he threw in a double coverage on an out route. He had no time. I mean, it truly was a do-or-die play. Picked off, sets up a quick Georgia touchdown. The second time he just airmailed Quentin Johnston, who was on lock all night long. 
you know, and, and look, there was no chance to run the football. I, I mentioned they had 36 yards total. Um, they got behind in the blink of an eye. Georgia scored on their first six possessions of the game. They score on 10 of 12. That also has never been done in the college football playoff or BCS era. Um, it was over in the blink of an eye. And, you know, you give Max all the credit in the world for trying, but goodness, this was this was boys playing men tonight. And, you know, going back to all the points that we made about Georgia and the dynasty run that they're that they're set up for, there's no end in sight for this team. I mean, again, another stellar recruiting class is coming in and you have sophomores that contributed on every single downs. So guess what? Freshmen too. And, and freshmen. Mm-hmm. was out there making plays. All oh, kinds dude. of just yeah. All North Texas's sport. own Bear Bear Alexander. Um, Branson Robinson and mop up duty too with yeah. two touchdowns at the very end of the game. Yeah. So all right. So we've talked about TCU's future uh, next year in the Big Twelve and and where they could potentially rank. I'm pulling up right now georgia's 2023 schedule to georgia's going 15 and 0 i'll just go ahead and cut you right there georgia's about to make it three in a row that they have a super easy schedule next year i can't remember who their across conference is but like oh, i'm gonna I read remember it. looking at it it's not good oh, i'm gonna it's, read it gentlemen uh it's easy. your national champion georgia bulldogs start their season on september the 2nd against the skyhawks of ut martin they will when? then play ball state they will then host South Carolina. They'll play UAB. They will go at Auburn, home against Kentucky, at Vandy before a crucial bye week. And then they go uh, to Jacksonville to play Florida. They play Missouri. They play Ole Miss. They go at Tennessee. They go at Georgia Tech. Guys, not only is that schedule Charmin soft, I named four true road games. Four. They play seven games between the hedges, and Jacksonville has basically been home away from home as they've dominated the Gators as of late. I can't find a game on this schedule that I go, yeah, yeah, they're losing that one. Tennessee, maybe, maybe, because it's on the road. But that's going to have to be a special volunteers team that knocks them off with you know, a week to go before they play for a conference championship, essentially. Like... I mean, is it just is it just cash the ticket? Twelve and zero Georgia. See you in Atlanta. Yeah, I mean, if you can find odds on that right now, I would one hundred percent run to the booth because, <laughs> Car- I mean, Carson Beck's probably going to be the quarterback. He looks pretty dang good. He looked yeah. really good out there in mop up duty tonight, and he's looked good in other spots as well. Um, talented guy that's going to lead an offense with a ton of great talent in the backfield. Still going to be throwing to Brock Bowers. He's still going to be throwing to elite receivers on the outside. Still going to have one of the best offensive lines in the college football blocking for him. And the defense just reloads every single year. So, yeah. I mean, maybe Beamer gets him in week three. Maybe they're overlooking uh, Shane Beamer, but that's their first game. That That's really the only one that they're going to be looking forward mm-hmm. to in the first couple months of the season. So, yeah, no, it's it's a weak schedule. I'm shocked they're not playing in one of those kickoff games or they're not playing somebody with a pulse. Mm-hmm. I know they have the Georgia Tech game every year at the end of the year that counts as their Power 5 non-conference matchup, but dang, like supplementing that with UT Martin, Ball State, and UAB, like, 
what are we doing? Come on, Georgia. Like, like we're not. They, we they, they played a, Oregon we, this year. Give them a break. It's well, fine. And they, they I were know, the, but they should be doing that every year. Like they, they were. They, su- they should be. Yeah, they were supposed to play Oklahoma. And that That's game, right. okay, that I forgot. Game got canceled. I'll, I'll back off. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. They, were, they were supposed to play Oklahoma. To, to be fair, yeah, Georgia fans are screaming into their dial right now, going, "We had that game taken away from us." That's fair. <laughs> That's That's, true. That's 100% true. I apologize. But even I still, even if they play Oklahoma, can we not find like Syracuse or Illinois or like I don't know Washington? Uh, Robert, State? Robert, and I finally left Syracuse. That place is in shambles now. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, this is um, Michigan 2022 levels of soft in the non-con. I mean, they're they're gonna have to work to not do it. I, you know, yeah. this is and and I think what's so mind blowing as we are, you know, literally 12 months out from the next national championship. We're seven months out. Seven, seven months. Eight. Eight months. Seven months. Seven months. Yeah, eight, seven or eight. Whatever. From. <laughs> well, me, because I'm trying to plan how many off-season shows we're going to have. Um, <laughs> you you look at you know, what this team brings back, what this team will face maybe as an SEC West opponent, and we've got so much time to, to talk about that. It is hard for me to imagine a world where Georgia not only doesn't make the college football playoff next year, but isn't the number one seed. I mean, am I wrong? Yeah. No, you're not wrong. <laughs> it's nope, as simple yeah. as that. It's, we're, we're talking about them going on a dynasty run, and we're like, are we shocked if they're going to be the number? It's Yeah, they're going to be number one seed. They're going to win all their games. They're going to be 12-0. They're going to be 13-0 after the championship game. They're going to get the one seed. They're going to roll through it again. Like This is just what George is going to do, I, I think, until you find a way for somebody else to come up and stop them. I think when you look around the SEC, especially like teams like Bama, what they're losing – Tennessee what they're losing like there's not necessarily a lot of challengers to what Georgia is right now in the SEC so somebody else is going to have to step up and I know that there's lots of teams lots of coaches lots of NIL lots of you know recruiting and everything else you're not where Georgia is right now that's just all that it comes down to nobody's where Georgia is right now and until somebody proves that they can do that you just have to give the benefit of the doubt the same way that we've been saying cuz Bama for the last 10 years we're going to be saying cuz Georgia they're yeah. only oh go ahead, Trey. I was just gonna say I'm skimming through their future non-conference opponents right now. And they, they I, I, I take back any uh soft scheduling accusations that I can make. They're scheduling at least two and usually three power five opponents for the rest of the twenty twenties after next year. And of course, like we said, Oklahoma got taken hey, away. At least that'll make it make it entertaining, right? Um just some stats, factoids, uh I've forgotten which one of you, as soon as we hopped in the call, pointed out that the over-under for the game was 61 and a half. And Georgia obviously covers that by their lonesome. Um, boy, if you had the under, I wonder if there was a time that you were feeling really good, uh, which, you know, as Trey points out just about every time we talk about it, why <laughs> life is too short to bet the bet the under. But I'm sure there was a point where you're like, surely TCU's defense gets a stop, right? Like, Six times in a row. That's that's too many. Maybe at the maybe at the curtain call for Stetson Bennett, he comes out. You're like, oh, they're not going to really try anymore. If and then they run in two more touchdowns after that. If you got a live under of like eighty or something, maybe you're feeling good. I don't know, man. <laughs> yeah. I 
it looked like it was going to be a runaway pretty early. Um, Georgia possessed the ball for nearly 40 minutes, um, 30, 37 minutes, almost even. They had 32 first downs. TCU had nine. Um, the Bulldogs were not forced off the field on third down very often. Nine of 13. They had 589 yards. Uh, 254 yards, which I think was really just the the icing on the cake. Every single time Georgia needed to pick up chunk plays, either Stetson Bennett was throwing to Lad McConkey or Brock Bowers, who was uncoverable tonight, or they were gashing uh, TCU with, let me see how many guys they ran with. Georgia had one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight rushers of the football tonight. And nine um, guys caught a pass. And nine guys caught a pass. So Insane. take take your freaking pick. Brock Bowers, seven catches, 152 yards, one touchdown. Guys, oh, by the way, he's got to come back for one more season. He's not even draft eligible. He's a sophomore. I also saw this earlier. Georgia ran 72 total plays and scored 65 points on those 72 plays. They're almost getting a point of play. It's, it's pretty efficient. <laughs> that's pretty, just can't, pretty like, what what more do you want to say guys like it, it was it was 65 to 7 it, like yeah. it was just an absolute drubbing again i feel bad for tcu like i i really do like it as they kept mm-hmm. pouring the points on i'm not saying georgia you know was running up the score doing anything immoral from the unwritten rules of college football but Man, as they kept pouring it on i just kept feeling for max duggan and feeling for all those tcu fans that paid Fifteen hundred dollars a ticket oh. to watch that. See, <laughs> and kidding. the 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 play after they get the sack to turn it over on fourth, they hand it off to the short side of the field into a bunch of traffic, and he just little scuttle step and then yeah. just swerves his way around for a touchdown. I'm like, what do you want him to do? Like, yeah, do you exactly. want them to just fall down and disrespect you like that? Like, they're gonna they're run positive yeah, plays short, until they can take a knee. Short of taking a knee with the whole fourth quarter, which is just absolutely disrespectful. Like, right, you can't do that. Yeah, it was crazy. Yeah. Uh, only three teams have gone 15-0 and in the college football playoff era, the 2018 Clemson Tigers, the 2019 LSU Tigers, and this 2022 Georgia Bulldogs team. There will be comparisons, I think, especially to that LSU team of 2019, which a lot of people have crowned them as the greatest college football team of all time. I think at least I'm certainly amongst that camp, I don't know where you guys net out, but yeah. you know that's going to be a conversation I'm sure we're going to have during the offseason, but there's no doubt we witnessed history this year, a feel-good story to boot with Stetson Bennett. Um, and, and guys, I don't really know that I have very much to say right now. I mean, we made it almost 40 minutes live reacting to a 65-7 drubbing. Well, my last thing I was going to say on that is just with that 2019 LSU team, obviously everyone loves to talk about who was on that team. And we love, especially now that they're all succeeding in the NFL. Oh, there was this guy. There was that guy. There was this guy. I'm curious to see who from Georgia ends up in that conversation, right? Like who are the guys who right now, maybe we're a little bit overlooking, but we're saying, you know what? Hey, Lad McConkey, like, is he going to be the next, you know, prolific white wide receiver in New England, or like, like what, like what's going to happen? Like, was Bill yeah. Belichick scouting that one? Patriots I don't know. have purchased his draft rights already. Absolutely, <laughs> but like Brock Bowers obviously is going to be huge. Which of these running backs is going to have a great career? 
Where does Stetson Bennett go from here? Obviously, like I'm really excited to see where some of these players end up. And maybe some of these, you know, younger guys like an Adonai Mitchell or people like that, like where do they end up by the time yeah. all this is said and done? Yeah, that uh, that Lad McConkey has a lot of Wes Welker in him. I'll tell you what. Oh yeah, um, he does. Real lunch pill guy. Real lunch pill guy. Coach on the field. <laughs> um, but when do we start to hate Georgia? That's my question for you guys. Oh. When do It'll be next year. You think next year? You think if they're yeah. rolling through at fourteen and zero again, we're just saying please someone beat georgia in the playoffs. it'll because it, right now it's just the back-to-back and it's not bama so it kind of feels nice but like i think sometime next year we're gonna be saying okay this is getting pretty old can it just be not georgia and not bama and i i think yeah at that point i don't know exactly when it'll be maybe it'll be you know a big matchup with tennessee at that last you know one of the last games of the season and it's super highly ranked and it's number one versus number three. And then they beat them by 40. And we're just like, this isn't fun anymore. Like, I don't want to, I don't want to watch Georgia anymore. I, I don't know. I, I grew up with an affinity for Georgia just simply from watching them on TV, from playing the NCAA video game. So for me, it's kind of this weird nostalgia watching them do so well when, you know, listen, I mean, they were they were a 10-win team a lot of years under Mark Rick, but they weren't ever a national championship contender, right? They were a good team. They'd lose to an Alabama. They'd lose to Florida. They'd, they'd drop a game here and there, you know, and, and have a nice trip in a Florida bowl game, right, to end the season. And now, obviously, they're standing atop the mountain. Um, so I don't know, personally, when that's going to get old. I will say, if if they keep just drubbing teams, I think that day is, is approaching quickly, but and, and this will be a topic for the offseason. I think as we move towards an expanded playoff, even if Georgia goes on a North Dakota State-like run, right, where they win 9 of 11, which heaven forbid that happens. But <laughs> if, even if that were to happen, I think having the hope and the storylines going in of 11 other teams in 2024 for me as a college football fan and as someone who you know now covers this sport in whatever capacity this is I think that would be enough for me to at least offset some of that frustration of dang it they got it again and you know I don't know how you guys feel about that I, I think it would get stale but at the very least we're not in a BCS era we'll be exiting this four team era where you have limited options with which to beat one of those juggernauts. Yeah, and I think this game shows, an, again, the need, because I don't think TCU, as great as their story was this year, I don't think they're running the gauntlet of a 12-team playoff to get to Georgia, right, to set up what we saw on the field tonight. So when we have the 12-team playoff, you're going to get the most battle-tested, the best possible team to face off against the juggernaut, and I think that's great for college football, and yeah, I don't know. Georgia just seems more likable of a dynasty to me. Maybe it's because they don't have Nick Saban. Maybe it's because my team hasn't been personally victimized by Georgia yet. And <laughs> maybe if, you know, may, maybe it gets old in the next couple of years. But I don't know. Georgia just seems a little bit more likable to me. I'm fine hanging on with the Georgia dynasty. If there are overlords for the next 10 years, 
I don't know. I, I, I could be a little bit more okay with it than some other alternatives, I guess. Well, the big thing, too, is I think, you know, we haven't had any of those, like, rat poison moments with Kirby Smart, like, where he's, like, yeah. really made the big flub or said the thing that pisses everyone off. So, yeah. you know, until he really steps in it, I think, you know, we'll we'll like Kirby Smart a little bit more. People have taken their shots just... at him. They they definitely have, and Kirby just kind of managed to, like, like dodge hey. or, like, nah, man, like, don't worry about whatever goes on behind the curtain. He just, he, yeah, he hasn't had those Jimbo saving moments that make you roll your eyes and go, oh my gosh, come on, guys. Yeah, he just kind of does his thing, recruits a bunch of five stars, mm-hmm. and then beats the snot out of you with them. Like, it, that's yeah. kind of refreshing. Yeah. I kind of like it. I'm looking it's for no the nonsense. PlayStation controller in his back pocket. Well, I and mean, I mean, like, yeah. even looking at his little press before the game tonight, you know, the little sideline reporter. Hey, coach, what's the like, you know, what do you have to say? What's the mindset going into this and blah, blah? He just goes like aggressive. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. <laughs> and they're like, is that it? He's like, yeah, just aggressive. We need to shout be aggressive. Out, shout out Al Davis. Just win, baby. <laughs> just win, yeah. baby. Um, Well, guys, I not the night that we were hoping for from a competition standpoint. I think happy, happy moments, obviously, for Stetson Bennett, for the Georgia fan base. They, they were the best team in college football. We knew that coming in. The only question in our mind was how, how close would TCU keep it? And, you know, if they were somehow able to pull off a historic upset. Again, they, they came into the season with 200-plus odds to even, well, 200-plus odds to win the national championship and almost as long odds to, to uh, get to the game. It would have been historic. And I think we would have had to react to that. I don't know that any of us would have been able to claim, yeah, we we could see that coming. I don't know that I saw this coming either. This absolute railroading of TCU. Um, you know, I knew there was a good chance that Georgia would run away with it. I did not think we would see 65, but it is what it is. And now we head into the dark, cold off season. Uh, we're going to do our best, obviously, to, to keep things entertaining. We've been working behind the scenes. We have big plans in store, audio-wise, video-wise. We've been lining up interviews um, in, our, in our Twitter DMs. I've been reaching out to analysts, to experts across this country. So if you are tempted to tune out and go, what on earth are they possibly going to talk about this offseason? I would invite you to tune in because I'm going to get as many different perspectives and as many different programs on this show, in this offseason, as we possibly can. Uh, Trey obviously does a, a great job engineering a lot of the audio, creating graphics on Instagram. Garrett is the mastermind behind all the YouTube content and all the work that goes in there. And gentlemen, uh, nearly 80 episodes since May. Uh, we've, we've done over 45 minutes, uh, 45 minutes, 4,500 minutes of content um, since we started this show. So, Really, to conclude season one, I just like to thank you guys for the the effort that you put in, the the willingness to jump on a project here and and make this happen. It's it's a lot of hard work. Um, I think it, that we all realized very quickly, but we're dedicated to this craft. We love what we do, and we're excited for year two. Well, you're very welcome, Mitch. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, good. Couldn't ask for a better couple of guys to do this with. It's been a lot of fun. Can't wait to get going for season two. And obviously it's been a great time. Glad to do this with you guys. 
Well, gentlemen, let's wrap it here. Georgia, your 2022 national champions. I wonder if uh, their athletic director is going to just start preemptively giving Kirby Smart trophies that he can just etch a sketch, 23, 24, 25. Might as well. Uh, a la Texas A&M. We'll see what That's, happens there. No one else is going to embarrass themselves in that way, let's be honest. <laughs> That's very real. Appreciate you guys, uh, all all your effort. Appreciate you, the fans, the listeners, hanging with us, rocking with us all season long. We will be back uh, starting next weekend, I think. We'll be back on our regular – or no, I guess Thursday. We'll have an episode Thursday. Um, and we'll be back on our regularly scheduled program. We'll probably go to one episode per week during the off season. Then I'm going to work in as many uh, conversations and interviews as I can. But for the 2022 season, for Trey Reeves, for Garrett Turney, I'm Mitch Mason. Thank you for being a part of season one of the Three Technique. Until next time, so long, everybody. <laughs>